Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Big Ben and Friends podcast. I am your host, Big Ben Ortmans, and today, what can I say? You guys already see him. I got the biggest goddamn guest I've ever had on my podcast today. Uh, I'm really I'm really appreciative that he uh, is giving me his time today. Uh, he is a guy that I have known for quite a while we have uh we've been friendly since we were kids we uh we got to be friends over this msn messenger group where uh i think it might have even been you that started it it was like this weird networking group where we all helped each other and chirped each other at the same time it was like the greatest thing ever uh and it was a great learning experience just being in that group chat just kind of listening to everybody kind of shoot their shit and everything oh Uh, man uh, those group chats could be wild man (laughs) Those were fantastic. Uh, He's obviously, he's a Heart Dungeon graduate. He's, you fucking know him. He's WWE superstar. He's a WWE producer now. He's the owner of Workhorse Fitness, which has been uh, a huge uh, thing for my life and for my fitness goals. And we're going to talk about that much later. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, my buddy, TJ Wilson. Hey. How you doing, brother? Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. I, uh, I honestly, I, I really can't uh, say thank you enough for allowing me to, to do this and for giving me your time, just because uh, I know, as we were discussing before we hit the record button, you know, there are literally a million podcasts right now. I'm sure you probably get asked 10 times a day. Hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you tack? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. So the fact that you actually agreed to, uh, to help me out and, and be a part of this is awesome. And uh, hopefully we can provide everybody with a really entertaining hour here. So uh, I know, I know you, so it's no problem, but they're like, it's funny. I, I do get a lot of requests and like, just randomly, I'll be like, you know what? I like see someone's message in a message request. I'll be like, you know what? I'll do this guy's interview. And then, um, so I've done a few that have been fun. Just, completely out of the blue completely on the fly where it's people i don't even know uh the situation's obviously different because i I do know you we've known each other for a very long time but it just is fun i mean there's there's been a lot of these interviews uh over the last i guess nine months now what's crazy and this is this is the one thing that i've really always uh just loved about the pro wrestling business is the fact that we've been friends since we were kids but we literally didn't meet until about like two or three years ago walking randomly in a hallway in columbus ohio yeah 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 so, uh, and and that's kind of what the wrestling business and just networking does like i mean that's the crazy world that we live in this is a guy that i've known for almost half my life and i didn't actually meet him until like a couple of years ago so almost uh, always like in in wrestling we know each other either our reputation or we've seen each other or had some kind of um, I guess, you know, maybe uh, like third party conversation or something where before we actually in person meet each other, it feels like in like in the history of, of wrestling, just the way it's networked and the way it is, I guess, so such a global thing that this is kind of how it happens. Yeah. Now, speaking of global thing, we're obviously we're in a, a bit of a shit storm right now with this pandemic and whatnot. And like for a guy like you, you, even though you were pr- producing, a lot of people don't understand that, like, you are still on the road just as hard as yeah. the as the boys are. Like, you're there yeah. every night. Like, you are, you're making the towns. Uh, you might not be taking the bumps, but people don't understand uh-huh. the, the psychological drainage that takes part in having to make sure that everything remains perfect because you're responsible for a lot of people. You're responsible for yeah. the television being a, a great product, essentially. You know, that's your job the roles the roles change quite a bit uh as a talent um when i'm doing like live events or just in general um i'm responsible for one match i'm responsible for my match as a talent um as a producer especially a producer of a live event there's generally 
probably two producers on a lab event and they're in charge of the entire uh, show, which is generally eight matches. So, you know, depending on the situation, but so, uh, you know, 20, 25 talent. Uh, so it goes, it's very different uh, on this side of things. And it's a, it's a learning process and it's, it's, it's been cool. It's been really cool for me to kind of um, learn and kind of be engulfed in it all. I can imagine. That was one thing I wanted to ask you is like, I mean, obviously um, you, you ran into your neck injury, which forced you to uh, sidetrack your, your in-ring career and you were able to transition into becoming a producer. And obviously from like, I've never gotten a chance to work with you as a producer, but all I've hear like is, is nothing but rave reviews and like uh, getting to talk with you and, and having you tell me some of the people that you were in charge of working with, like, obviously the company trusts you with a lot of their top talent to make sure that they, uh, that they're out there producing. So how did you find that transition into becoming like a producer and, and what is it like, and what's a day like as a, as a WWE producer? Uh, the transition was actually, it was, um, I don't know if it was, tough it just was um if if i if i'd been able to transition say like uh because after my injury I, I was gone from i was gone for two years so i was you know healing for two years and just you know i needed to get in the right spot and uh it would have been it honestly would have been a smoother transition if i had been able to just um you know, for my last match and then transition to producer the next week, it would have been a bit easier because I would have been around everybody. And I would have been so at that time, again, so engulfed in wrestling, but those, that two years I had off, I kind of uh, distanced away from wrestling at certain points during those two years. I just, I had to heal and I needed to, um, I was just, I guess maybe trying out different things mentally. Like maybe if I don't watch wrestling as much as I, I have my entire life, uh, maybe, maybe that'll kind of help emotionally a little bit. Uh, so when I first came back as a producer, uh, it took me a little bit to kind of, uh, I guess, find my way and kind of find my footing. Um, luckily, early on, I was uh, I was usually shadowing guys like Jamie Noble and um, Michael Hayes, Fit Finley, guys that I have a ton of respect for and that have been doing this for a very long time and are very good at this. Um, and then, you know, I would be, I would have random matches here and there. Uh, and like it would be different every week. I wouldn't just kind of be with the same talent all the time. And then um, all of a sudden I had one of Seth's matches or something. And then uh, the next week I had Seth's match and the next week I had Seth's match and the next week I had Seth's match. And then Seth and I kind of had a, a little thing for a bit there where I kept having his matches and we had a very good, well, we still do, but we have a very good chemistry. And um, that really helped me a lot. It really helped me find um figure out exactly how i like to do we we all it's same as wrestling we all we all have a different approach to our in-ring same as mm -hmm. producers we all have a different approach to how how we lay out our match or how we kind of get our things our jobs accomplished so we all we all have a different way of doing things um in terms of the day of a producer uh normally i try to not well not i try to i, I will even if it's on two hours sleep, but I will work out before that production meeting. And uh, uh, generally on the road, it's, I would try to finish that gallon of water in the morning. So that way I was done with it. And I, I'd be sitting in the production meeting, have to hold in, you know, I have to <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. Anyway, uh, that, that's different now, now that I drive and uh, whatever, I just yeah. drive to work out. So different. It's so different, but I'm, 
I'm so used to it now. Um, I go to a production meeting and we kind of go through the show and kind of, um, I guess for lack of a better term, maybe kind of get my orders of what, what I need to accomplish in my segment or segments that night. And, um, you know, I go, then I meet with talent and we, we kind of collaborate, which is my favorite part of the whole process. We actually, this might be my second favorite part. My favorite part is seeing, seeing it executed and many times better than how I envisioned it, which is the yeah. best. Um, collaborating with the talent, we put the match together and then, um, you know, I might have to circle back and go find out if things have changed or, you know, double check that what I have mapped out is the direction that this segment is looking for. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then it's, and then it's go time. And then we're at, uh, we're at the curtain and gorilla and, uh, I'm pushing, pushing them out and out they go. And, uh, no, it's cool, man. It's, um, the very strange thing is Johnny Laurinaitis used to talk to me about being, you know, not talk to me about it, but he would bring it up once in a while when I was a talent that down the road, he'd see, he saw me being a producer, which I would always shoot down right away. And, um, you know, when you're an active talent, you're not thinking, uh, you, you are kind of thinking of what's on that other side, but you don't really want to put too, too much thought in it. And I've been somebody that's, I've realized this over these last few years, but I'm, I, I'm, I've always been pretty decent at living in that moment. So I don't, yeah, I, I do look to the future and, and try to have my future kind of mapped out, but I'm also good at living in the moment. Like we were talking about um, FCW last year on that documentary and I loved my time at FCW, but I didn't love it only in hindsight. In hindsight, I really love it. But in the moment, I loved it too. I knew like this was a step. Yeah, I wasn't on the main roster yet in FCW. And, mm-hmm. and I was there in the very beginning where we were training in a warehouse with canned goods everywhere. And yeah, I, I but I, I loved it. I, I loved it. And I knew that this is where I wanted to be in this to get to where I eventually really want to be, this is where I, I have to be. And and I enjoyed my time. And I saw so I, my point being, I'm pretty good at living in the moment. So Johnny would always, Johnny occasionally would bring up, you know, being a producer down the road, which I would always shoot down. But then um, when it's out of your hands and uh, your, your uh, the physical aspect of your career is over, uh, I mean, you can either, you can cry about it which I did do for sure. Or you, and, and then you can move on and kind of, you can move on and maybe try something totally different, which I is definitely not up my realm, but you know, I have all, I have 20 years of in-ring experience. Why not, why not do what I can to help? If I help one person out, then, then, then that's cool. And then who knows what that person ends up transcending onto however many millions of people, like who knows? You never know. You never know the power that you might have over over trying something. So anyway, uh, uh, out of curiosity, was there any other opportunities for you on the table other than production, like, or being a producer um, or like, was there any other thought when we were talking, it was kind of like, Hey, let's start here. Let's start as a producer and we'll see if you like it. And then we'll, you know, if not, we can, I, I guess maybe like, uh, without it, I guess being like formal, like maybe like coach at NXT or, You know, maybe things in this kind of role. I had a lot of uh, options in terms of it was kind of like kind of up to me in some ways, in a lot of ways. And um, so, since this was the first kind of thing project, uh, you know, presented to me, and I don't like uh, I don't like failing at things. 
I don't think anyone does, but I, I mean, like, I really don't. I'm very competitive when it comes to certain things. So I'm like, even at first I was like, oh man, I feel like I'm in over my head with this thing, this producer thing. Like, like uh, I take, I take, I took a lot of advice from all the producers that I worked with as a talent and that were there. Mike Rotondo, uh, Michael Hayes, Arn Anderson, uh, every, Jamie Noble again, Michael, you know, these guys just, uh, Johnny, always uh, good, uh, good TJ Wilson sounding board. John, yeah. John. Now, did you feel in over your head just because of the, the minds that you're in there with? And maybe you just didn't feel like you were up to par? Like, was that like a, a something on you? Or did you <laughs> feel like maybe the job itself was a little scary? Because I don't think people fully understand what producers do. Like you're, you're on the headsets, like yeah. while the matches is going, like there's, you're producing, like there's yeah. a lot and, more to it than people think. And in those first like uh, six months or something, like I said, because I was um, shadowing a guy like Michael Hayes a lot of the times or Jamie Noble. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, I'm the producer for like a Roman Reigns match or a Brock Lesnar match or Cena. Like, and to me, there's a part of me like, like Brock, for example, or Cena, you know, all three guys, I just Roman, all, all these guys, but how, like, how am I going to go tell Brock Lesnar what to do <laughs> in, in, in my, in my mind? Right. I, uh, but then like I, but in my mind, I gotta, I gotta crack the code of how, how can I kind of suggest something to, right. to this sort of a man. And, uh, and I did, I, I was, I had an idea that he goes for an F5 and Braun like almost lands on his feet and scoops him up like Undertaker tombstone style into the power slam. And he thought it was cool. So like, I try to, uh, I try to figure out like you, each person's different. It's a little, uh, the combination lock on a safe and each person's a little bit different on how you get that safe open. And it's yeah. a matter of, it's a matter of um, get more safes open than, than don't and, <clears throat> and accumulating that and figuring out what's the way to figure everybody out. Cause obviously like as, in, as individuals and as humans, we're all different. And then you put it under that wrestling umbrella and we are very different people. Yeah. And now it's a matter of how do how do I reach? How do I, how do I, like, I see something a certain way. Maybe it's the right way. Maybe it's not. But so when Talent and I sit down and we kind of collaborate back and forth, maybe we see, maybe we, we both leave that conversation, seeing that situation a little differently. Mm-hmm. And so just, so that part's like, that part's the really interesting and fun part that uh, as similar as like, as similar as like every week is for us in terms of like, the production meeting on Mondays at noon. Um, I drive now. I drive from my home to Tropicana Field. It's the same drive. It's the same drive back home. I'll see you guys on Friday. I'll drive Friday. Our production meetings at one. As much as like that's almost Groundhog Day. No two days in WWE are ever the same. So like that part is what's <clears throat> a lot of fun to me, and that's where I've grown and I've learned a lot is literally by working with everybody, pretty much across the board. Must be kind of nice, though. I mean, because you were traveling all over the damn place and you're on the road so much. But now in a weird way, it's kind of like a nine to five job where you get to just wake up out of your own bed and just go to work and go the hell home, which is kind of nice. Yeah. So I said this recently. I don't know where I don't like uh, the people, the because there's a good amount of us that are in Florida. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So a good amount of us that haven't really flown for the last like nine or 10 months. So, some of the guys are flying every week. So today, I know they're flying always in the same spot. So it's still not quite the same as it used to be, but it's at least similar. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man. I, uh, I was saying this the other day. I don't know if I'm like petrified of going back to normal or excited for it. I don't know either. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I don't know. Like it all, everything is just so up in the air that like, I don't know. Like it just, I don't want to say scary, but it, it, it kind of is like. Yeah. Yeah. Like every workout I have now is in my garage. And then yeah. I, you know, then I drive down. It was to Orlando first to PC, then to Amway. Now I drive to St. Pete, which is about 45 minutes, 50 minutes from my house is so easy. And yeah. when I'm used to, when I'm used to driving, you know, three or four hours a night, most nights, um, 50 minutes one way, you know, an hour and a half there and back is easy, man. Like so easy. Yeah. Uh, but then like, there's parts of like, you know, flying into these cities that I really like that I haven't experienced. This is the longest that I've ever gone, um, not being home. Uh, I was last, I was home last September, September, uh, 2019 for a live event. And that's the last time I've been up to Calgary. Otherwise, um, and, and that's by far the longest of my, of my whole life. Wow. That's nuts. So it's just um, weird. It's just very weird. I can, yeah, it is. Now, one thing I kind of wanted to ask you, and, and it's funny because I didn't even take this into consideration until just now, but like you must have uh, a ton of people get in touch with you, like a lot of younger talents and whatnot, and just kind of asking you the process on like how to get eyeballs on them from from the WWE, like whether it be uh, trying to get a potential tryout, whether it be uh, getting extra work, whether it be advice for like, what do you do when you're an extra when you're there? Just because uh, I can vouch. It's a very, it's like, nerve-wracking. It is the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever I always done say that to people. So I was never booked as an extra, so I always try to. I'm no, I don't always succeed at this, but I try to go out of my way to like make a point to like say hi to all the extras and always be overly nice to all the extras. Um, because I was never an extra, but I remember when I got called up, I remember feeling pretty nerve-wracking, and I'd been in the system at that point for almost two years, and mm-hmm. and I kind of had interactions like um if guys were coming back from injury that come to fcw so i'd i'd had like little you know training sessions in the ring like little singles matches with like cena and edge and uh even randy orton a few guys that were on the when they're coming back would stop by fcw so i at least knew some people on the main roster but even coming up was still nerve-wracking like before my before my debut my knees are shaking and i've been wrestling at that time that's 2009. Been wrestling for almost um, 14 years, but still, like this is WWE, and to, to me, it was the dream, and I was so scared. So with extras, man, I try. I again, I know I don't always succeed, but I try my best to be like so over the top nice and like uh, go out of my way to say hi to all the extras because sometimes it's a lose lose situation. Like, and obviously, you can vouch you've been an actor. Like, it just is like. No matter where you are, you're in the wrong spot. Like if you're in the hallway, it's the wrong spot. If you're in catering, it's the wrong spot. If you're by the ring, maybe you're supposed to be by the ring, but maybe it's like, hey, what the, what are you, why are you down here? You should be in, and it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of like, just, you know, try, like it's such a funny thing, I think from, again, from never being an intro, but seeing it, it's like you, you, you almost want to be invisible, but you also do want to stand out and hope someone sees you. And it's this, 
where's this middle and how do you do it without like how do you get someone's attention but without pissing them off and it's this oh man i can't even imagine it's definitely it's a mind fuck. It's uh it's crazy just because like you kind of know you're like we're we're supposed to we're we're limited to these couple of areas, you know what I mean? And then you're also very strongly worded in the email like the there's some some do's and don'ts, you know, and you're just like oh, yeah, and you're trying so hard to just focus on those do's and don'ts, but at the same time like you come from a a business where like, you know, you when you go to those indie shows, like you say, what's up to everybody, you shake everybody's hand, you say hi to everybody. And then you start to realize very quickly that you're annoying the fuck out of people when you do that while you're there, because they all know one, you guys all know one another, you see each other every fucking day. So, and you got, and you're, and you're busy. You you guys all have stuff to do. Like there's not really dead time there. Like there's no, everybody's it's always kind of the first little stuff. bit when you first get there, you get there, you kind of, you know, go get changed, maybe grab a meal. And then from there, like, then once you start seeing, and now, now I'm on the other end of that. Now, once you start seeing the producers start filing out of that meeting, you're like, all right. And I'll like, like, for example, <clears throat> and this is, you know, not the craziest thing, but I remember like being in England and you're on tour and it's the TV is always like the, the midway point of the tour. And so um, I'm at, I'm at TV and I'm eating and I'm not really thinking much like I'm like okay you know what like I probably have a match today but whatever and then I remember like boom all of a sudden like Johnny is behind me and he's like hey I got your match tonight he's like it's a triple threat you Cesaro and uh Dolph and you guys have three segments and I was like wow okay like that's a that's a lot of time and then um he said and you have another match too but I'm not the producer of that one and then I, ha- I also wrestled Sami Zayn on main event that day a two segment match so I'd, I did five segments that oh, day sure. but like like you said, man, like there's not that dead time. Only it's a small little dead time. And literally it's like you get to the building, you change, you, you, you're eating. And maybe while you're eating, that might be the last bit of like that. After that, it's all just go time. And you're like, your meal might even be interrupted and you have to leave catering and go, you know, start figuring things out or pre-tape. So there's so, you know, it's, it's easy for me to explain to you because you've been there, but like there's pre-tapes and we have a lot of media stuff and you got um, like, like a lot of times I, it's and to things change. are constantly changing on a, like on an hourly, yeah. like on a minute by minute basis there. So yeah. like I've seen, I've watched you at ringside uh, while I've been an extra and it was almost kind of like a, how many stacks of paper are they going to give TJ today? Yeah. yeah. And, and that just comes from like, you know, when we're sitting in a room, like this guy has an idea and then this guy has an idea. And then all of a sudden, like, time's gone you know an hour's gone by and they've had a chance to think of like oh what if we take a little bit from that a little bit from that and all of a sudden like the segment i thought i had now changes and it's different and uh uh, it's a it's a matter of trying to i guess make the you know the each segment as perfect as possible um and makes sense but yeah man like that constant change it again it's it's crazy but it keeps you on your toes there's there's a part of it that is at least kind of exciting too. Like, yeah, a lot of times I'll like open an email, be like, "Hey guys, so we got to change. Uh, <laughs> we now have four more minutes. Uh, so, hey guys, uh, we lost three minutes. Here's what we got to do. Uh, yeah, so it's it's funny. It, it, it but ever it's like you said, man. It's there's no dead time. It's just go, 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 go. Yeah. Now, do you? Ha- is there any like? 
I guess from from your perspective, you know, because you've you've been talent, like you you are a producer, you've been a, you've been around the, that business and that company for a very long time. Would you suggest any do's or don'ts? Because I got to tell you, there's like an urban myth between That's us extras. Actor. Yeah, because there's a bit of an urban myth, like where we kind of wonder, like, are these real things? Like, I I constantly felt like in catering, for example, like I always felt like someone was judging what I'm eating. Am I eating too much? Am I eating too little? What are you eating? Is he eating cake? Why would I fucking hire this man to eat if he's <laughs> eating cake? You know what I mean? Like, there's just and because there's a lot of fucking cake there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> and right, dude, why do we have the most elaborate desserts ever? I've rarely ever had those desserts, but they're they're like some crazy looking cakes. It is that that, I've had that dessert cookies. tray is legendary, man. Yeah. But uh, like, you know what's funny, as a talent, I think I noticed more what the extras were eating than as a producer. I think because I had maybe a little bit more time to kind of hang out and catering as a talent. For sure. You know, once I put my match together, then I could kind of do my thing. And I always find it like when putting a match together, it's good to take a little, if you have the time to take a little break, step yeah. away from it back to it and see if we're all still on the same page so like at that point like but it would have to be outlandish though like i remember seeing an extra for example eat like a giant piece of cake and and here's the thing now i understand so so say for example on the the way i think i was there for this i i I mean yeah maybe probably did shane bet somebody maybe yeah yep i was there for this holy shit that's hilarious um, the way it used to be was Raw was Monday and then SmackDown was Tuesday. So the extras yeah. would have the... Sorry, did I lose you there at all? Yeah, it just uh, the extras had their matches on Tuesday. That's oh. the only part that we lost. Yeah. So the extras had their... Sorry, my, uh, someone's calling on my gate. Uh, the extras have their match on Tuesday. So... And a lot of times uh, the extras were notified of this. So this is the part that's interesting to me. So let's say... Say Tuesday when the matches are done and the show's on and you know you're not booked. Say you go to catering uh, and you eat a giant cake. No problem. I get I get it. I get it. I get it. You, you feel like your job's done. But I've seen it, and it's very random. It's very rare. But I've seen it on a Monday. I've seen a guy eat a giant piece of cake on a Monday. And I'm thinking, like, dude, you got to wrestle tomorrow. And I know, like, if you know much about the human body, that piece of cake's not going to change anything one way or another. If you're really shredded and you eat an entire cake the next day, you're not all of a sudden, you know, obese. I get it. It doesn't happen just like that, but like still it's, you want to kind of put forth your, your best. So uh, you're I putting dirty fuel in the gas tank. Yeah. And I, I just found it funny when I'd see, and it's very rare, but when I'd see like that rare occasion of somebody go crazy on the Monday, when I'm like thinking that I, I know, and you know, you have a match in the day tomorrow. Yeah. So that, that part always, I always understood people eating it on Tuesdays after like one, say like when SmackDown's going on and you know, for sure you're not booked Tuesdays, I get it. Tuesdays I'm all for it. I, I actually, things go back to normal. I start telling the actors, Hey, like when you're done, just. I know you guys see that dessert. Just go get it. Just eat it all because I'm not going in. So it's yours. I, I, I definitely did that in uh, Toronto because I had lost like 35 pounds because uh, I was I was really gunning for that. Two, yeah, I was gunning for that 205 live match. And uh, as things were, I didn't get it. That's all great. Uh, your student actually got it, which was uh, awesome for him. Um, oh, yeah. But, 
I uh, there's there's some there's some uh, there's a story that I don't really want to tell on here. Like I don't mind dropping uh, a whole lot of information about myself, but there's just a story that I don't want to tell. But I was going through a nervous breakdown that day, and like uh, the Monday night going into the Tuesday, uh, I think I've told you about it. But like I uh, once I realized that I was done and that I uh, everything was was I I, I was not needed. And I kind of had a chance to breathe while I was there. Literally, the first thing I did yeah. was I think I grabbed like half of a cake for crying out loud, not even a slice. I grabbed all of it. I grabbed all the carbs that I possibly could. And I, I went into a corner of catering with my back to everybody because I not that I cared, but I was just like I, I just depressed eight because yeah. <laughs> I was so bummed because I didn't get the match. But yeah. uh, but I had worked real fucking hard and I didn't, I was ate real clean yeah. for three months. So I deserve that damn cake. Yeah. You lost a ton of weight. I remember. Yeah. And I, a lot of it. That thanks to. Uh, so good. Yeah, it was man. Now um, this is a question that's kind of uh, a little bit, it's a bit of a hot topic, at least here in Ontario. And I think it is kind of across Canada and it's something that, uh, I asked Bob Evans and he gave me a really great uh, explanation of what he thinks. But at the same time, it dawned on me that Bob doesn't have a horse in the race. You do here. Uh, there has been a real uh, uproar from a lot of like the younger talents in uh, Ontario and just across Canada. And they're kind of like, why don't we get the eyeballs on us that we deserve? Like, why don't we get the respect? Like, it felt like Canadian independence at one point in time was kind of like a Mecca. And now all of a sudden it just feels like we aren't even in the conversation anymore. And it's just like, uh, like talent can't get noticed. Companies can't get noticed. It just like, there's, there's very few, it like, it, it, it takes, I don't, yeah. I, I don't even know. Like it, it takes something real goddamn special to get noticed outside of this invisible wall that we call our country. Oh, so tough. And uh, yeah, I don't know if, I mean, I think there's obviously a lot of little factors. I mean, not, well, not little, like, but I think um, sometimes it's things like, uh, you know, the not being legally able to, to work in the, in the States, I think hurts sometimes. Um, I, I know of guys that have got, you know, been caught at the border, which, you know, they're coming to do an indie show, but you know, whatever. Um, I think that's part of it. And I think just the cost, like I remember, I remember they wanted to, um, we ran in, Harry and I ran into homicide at a show in uh, Buffalo. And he said that Gabe was looking, looking to get a hold of Harry and I um, to do some Stampede Bulldog stuff in Ring of Honor in 2000, I think four or five. And uh, so he got our info and then they just they looked into it and they were like, oh man, like just the plane ticket alone for the two of us from Calgary to the Northeast, you know, to Philly or to New York or New Jersey, just the plane ticket alone was so expensive on top of like having, you know, even if safe, like we work for free, the plane ticket alone was just so expensive. It just like, you're just, uh, one of the guys said at one time, like we just kind of, and this isn't a, this isn't to use it as a crutch either, but just geographically, you're just, it's not, it's not, um, it, it, it's like almost as it's so weird. It's just like you said, like there's this invisible line and it should be so easy and it should just be kind of the same, but yeah. for some, but for some reason it's not, 
like you said, because of this line. And uh, just geographically, it just becomes so hard. Like, uh, I remember when Jack Evans moved down to Florida, um, he actually got a raise at Ring of Honor because now he wasn't flying from Seattle. So his tickets got way cheaper. Yeah. And then that came money in his pocket. So it just is interesting that, like, I, I think that's a big part of it. I think sometimes, um, like, I, I used to think that when I, when I was in, like, 2003, four. I used to think, man, if I lived in that Northeast area, I would, I'm not saying I, I would have been killing it, but I would have a bigger name. At the time, I was, at least I was lucky enough to have wrestled in uh, New Japan, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But if, 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 um, if I'd been in the Northeast area, I, I would have been, in, my feeling at that time was that I would have a little bit more of a name. I'm not saying I would have be the guy, but I would have more of a name than I did being in Calgary. Right, um, but but then Calgary afforded me so much great stuff too. So it's for me, it's tough to say. Um, it, it's really, it's really just this. I don't know if it becomes almost also like a pride thing of like, hey, like, you know, this is my promotion in New Jersey, and I'm going to use the guys from my little area, all these Canada. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's the case. I haven't, I haven't been on the Indies in, in far too long to to say anything like that. Right. But uh, I don't know, man, it, it, it's so true because like um, my students back home deal with this in Calgary and Alberta, they, they deal with the same thing. And it's just like it's it's so hard to like get noticed and get out there where it seems like. It, especially in the age of social media, it, it's much easier, uh, much easier in some ways, but also it's it's also super flooded. So not super easy because there's a lot of people doing it. But it's a lot easier to kind of get your name out there, but it, maybe it's a, it's harder for it to stick. I don't yeah. know if that makes. No, I get it. I almost kind of feel like, and and I mean absolutely zero disrespect when when I say this, just because I've worked for this company and I love this company, but I genuinely feel like Canada is almost like the impact wrestling of wrestling, where when you sit and watch the product, you realize wow, there's a lot of fucking talented dudes here. And man, this show's really badass. But for some reason, when you see it on, your urge is just to flip past it. And I don't know why everything is good, but for some reason, it just kind of like, you're like, "Eh, I'm okay, I can do without. And and I'm sure this happens elsewhere too, but I think also in Canada, and um, I I get it, it all becomes, it all comes out of that kind of sense of pride especially recently for whatever reason seems like there's a weird and i think it's always been there but a weird battle between always the provinces of like who's the best and it becomes almost like a little bit of infighting rather than you know it's not detrimental maybe it's actually giving everyone that good there's a good chip on that you can have on your shoulder there's a bad one but there's a good one too and i don't know i maybe it's maybe this infighting is helping uh with the good chip on the shoulder i don't know again i'm not directly involved but um i do definitely see this weird infighting that i don't again i'm not a part of the the independence i don't know if it happens in the states i don't know i'm sure it does obviously but i just i don't see it as prevalent as i see it in canadian wrestling and also maybe that's because it's canada so spread out and it doesn't have a super dense population so it just it becomes harder to like really get behind so i don't know man 
I don't know, but I do think some of the infighting, I think may be good in terms of causing a chip on show, but I, it may also be bad and almost detrimental in some ways, rather than almost, I know this is going to sound so cliche, but almost like working together of almost like, hey, look, this is Canada as a whole. This is what we got. I completely agree with that 100%. And I appreciate that just because it's an outside perspective on something that you that that's home for you, you know, yeah. Uh, and it's an educated perspective as well. But it's funny, because I was just thinking about that this morning, where I think that's kind of what it is, like Canada almost needs like in, in the States, like there's all these companies that are have really established themselves and uh, and the wrestlers that work there are, they show pride in the companies that they work for. And I just don't know if that's necessarily a, uh, as prevalent here. Yeah. You know, I, and I think you're right. And I think um, that's, I, that, that again, like, I know I just said it four times, but that pride, like you said, that sense of pride and like, this is where I work and I'm proud of this. And I don't, I don't know. I don't get that. And then, But I think what it is, is people don't want to piss other people off. It's just because there is a lot of infighting within Canadian independent wrestling and people don't realize that. Like, uh, I I feel like people don't want to promote certain things because it's going to piss off this promoter and it might potentially, you know, not give you other opportunities here. And it's a, we are, I think, I think I I, I like asking everybody this question because I think when we filter this down, pettiness is starting to become a lot of the, uh, the filtered answer that's, that's coming through here. Yeah. And like, for example, and this is just something real simple, but like uh, there were, I don't know if there still is, but there was a, there was a PWA in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, in the same city as me. And so I wrestled for PWA a company in Alberta. I wrestled there for many years and I remember like something, you know, like in a conversation, like, Oh, PWA. Oh, what PWA? Oh, this one in Alberta. Oh, I thought you meant the Ontario one. No, blah, blah, blah in Alberta. And then like someone else being like, oh, we're way better than them. And it's like, oh, well, hold on. That's cool. I get the pride. But have you ever actually watched them? No. Okay. <laughs> How can you have this opinion? <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, you've it becomes, it just is a funny sense of pride. It really is. And you know, that, that's, a, that's another thing I wanted to ask you as well. Like, I mean, you, you watch a lot of wrestling during the week, obviously, just because yeah. of your job, like you're forced to watch like all the WWE product. Um, but you're also a guy who watching wrestling is what you, that, that's your life. Like wrestling is your life. Like you genuinely love it. Are you watching anything else outside of WWE at the moment? And if you are, what are you paying attention to? In terms of wrestling? Yeah. Just anything. Um, yeah, I check out. I check out everything when it comes to wrestling. If it's on TV, I'll check it out. Um, I have friends everywhere. So I like keeping an eye on my friends, keeping a tab on my friends and what they're doing and seeing. Again, in this landscape, is it's um, it's a little bit different, a little bit, I don't know, maybe trickier to see maybe what's working, what I feel is working, what I feel is maybe not working. It's hard to tell because I it's not really a live audience. And if there is, it's not a giant, it's, you know, it's pretty small numbers because that's what it has to be. So it's hard to get a proper sample size yeah. of kind of working. What's not working. Like for example, um, I think it's, I think it's great, but um, like, I would love, I'd be so interested to see the reaction in arenas uh, with, you know, f- fans uh, what's the reaction to Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman? What's that yeah. reaction? Like what Roman's doing right now with Roman, Jay, and Paul is amazing. 
what, what what's the reaction like in the arena in with actual fans i don't none of us know we can guess i can guess what it might be but but when i guess what it might be am i guessing for what it might be in topeka kansas or am i guessing what it might be in chicago because right. i know those are going to be two very different things um so when it comes to that, it like in this, so I'm watching everything and trying to deci- decipher if I feel like, does this, does this work with, okay, does this work in this environment or does this work better when things are back to normal? And yeah, so I, I like, I do, I do watch everything. Like people send me matches all the time. I watch, I watch independent matches of my friends that they'll send me or someone messages me and asks me to kind of look at something for them. I, if I have the time, I'll do it. Um, so I'm, I'm watching a little bit of everything. And I've certainly been guilty of that as well. Like if there's something oh. that I feel very prideful of, or, and it's like, I need to know if this is, if it's actually passes somebody else's test other than mine, I usually send it to you. Sure, and you yeah. usually tear it apart and I love every goddamn second of it. So thank you very much for that, by the way. I um, now is there is, I mean, I don't know if you're technically allowed to answer this, but like, is there anything that you would, uh, is there anything that's catching your eye outside of WWE that you would recommend? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I probably, honestly, I would probably say a lot of times I end up find find myself watching like, um, during this pandemic, I've found that, and it's not a bad thing, but I did, I mean, I, you could say this about any time in my life, but definitely a lot during this pandemic, a lot of Bret Hart matches. I go back and watch okay. a lot of like, 97 you know that's kind of maybe that's a part of this pandemic I, that's kind of my most nostalgic um time for me as a i just started wrestling and so i i didn't understand the business but i thought i was starting to understand and um so 97 is a giant pivotal year for me in terms of just like i guess embracing things and starting to it, you 97 for me was that time I've been wrestling for like two years. And it was that time where like every single day you're learning like giant leaps and 97 was that for me. And, um, and as a fan, like I love, like obviously I'm very biased to it, but all that heart foundation Canada versus America stuff. Um, So good. And it's, it, it must be cool to go back and watch now, especially for you in hindsight, because you're watching it with a complete different brain at this point it, exactly so that's the, that's why like going back and watching a lot of that during this has been so cool because i'm like oh like i kind of got that at the time but 75 percent of that went over my head or i didn't quite catch that little part of the storytelling got it this time oh my god it, it is so much better now so yeah i mean yeah that's happened a lot that's happened a lot it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's genius while you're watching it while you're younger. But then when you get older, you can appreciate like the yeah. almost like a fine whiskey. It's like you can, with the older you get, like you kind of start to appreciate those more like kind of notes and tastes and all those little things and whatnot. You're right. But then then the scary, the, the scary thing is kind of the flip side. Something that was so awesome in your head that you remember nostalgically. And then you watch it back and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of let down. So luckily, like I, I was, um, I, I somebody tried to talk shit about crush on me the other day and it really broke my heart <laughs> because uh, he wasn't wrong. Ongoing thing. Like I loved crush as a kid, man. Loved them. So did I. And oh, I always man. thought, uh, what I, this is a complete, complete sidebar, but, uh, one of my, one of my favorite things about 
crush in um, in WWF is that uh, he kept changing like these gimmicks, but he always just was crush. Why? He's the yeah. only guy. Like, and at one point in time, he had face tattoos and then transitioned to no face tattoos, which was unbelievably impressive. And he, <laughs> great, great uh, tattoo removal. He, he had a good in. Uh, yeah. And by the way, with the face tattoo and without the face tattoo, he's still crush. And demolition, he's crush. No matter what, he's still crush. Jailbird crush. Even with Yokozuna crush. Demolition crush. Kona crush. Dude, he's always crushed for some, like Repo Man is Smash, and then he's Repo Man. And, you know, it's just funny. It's just so funny that uh, he was, no matter what, he changed yeah. his voice. Uh, he, he was awesome. I always thought Dude, he was I, awesome, but it definitely I, broke. My crush was literally one of my favorite, like in that, that time, 92, 93, I was so enamored. I remember meeting him backstage and just seeing how big he was, like how tall he was. Yeah. And big, and I just was like, wow. It even made me like him more. I already went in like you know, he's one of my favorites at that time. And uh, when I met him and saw Biggie was, and he was of course real nice to us. Yeah, uh, I just remember thinking like, "Wow, Crush is the man." See, WrestleMania Ten is my favorite wrestling show that's ever existed, uh, mm. from top to bottom. Uh, especially because it started with Owen and Brett, and that's my favorite yeah. match ever. Uh, but that also I'm, had Crush versus Macho Man in that Falls Count Anywhere, where Macho I'm, fucking hung him by I'm, his feet. Yeah, I oh man, I uh, I'm a huge I love that match so much. Um, one thing I wanted to to talk to you about before we start getting into the old rapid fire questions that I've got from the audience, and because yeah. uh, I want to be respectful of your time, but I want to talk about Workhorse Fitness because uh, it's no longer just a uh, supplement company. Like you have opened up a, a training facility, and you've got yourself a, a ring in there, and you're you're working with you know, talent that's on TV right now. You're also working with, uh, with some other guys training them. Like I know that you're training Alex, who is your business partner and yeah. uh, unbelievably nice guy. Who's uh, who's been great with me. And uh, you, you've really transitioned into uh, really making people's lives better from a fitness perspective. I, I know that obviously you started doing that during your, your downtime with your injury, but like, how did this all come about first of all? And, uh, and basically just, Tell us all about it for anybody who doesn't know, because it's it's been what's really helped me over these last few years. Yeah, no, that's so awesome to hear. Um, and I, yeah, you've been you've been a big supporter from the beginning, which has been cool. Um, it started because uh, I was I done a couple of um, signings and um, seminars, and then um, Alex. Alex was kind of like keeping those dates for me and just so I would like uh, stay ahead of it all. And then um, one point, some, I think a supplement company or something reached out and, you know, wanted to send me some stuff, I'd post about it, something like that. And then um, Alex was looking into that. And then he was like, well, wait a minute. He knew a guy here in Florida that ran like his own little company and he, where he got, um, I guess his ingredients and stuff from like this distribution company and the lab that actually makes everything, all the ingredients. So then um, got a hold of them and talked to them and decided like, well, rather than kind of, you know, maybe be somewhat of an ambassador for someone else, why not try my own thing? And then I get a control, like what ingredients are in it and what, um, because there's like, uh, when I first, so when I initially looked at um, this, this, um, this lab that makes everything they kind of had like the ingredients like almost listed like a b c a b and the best 
see still being, you know, good ingredients, but not premium. And, right. um, and I thought like, well, hold on. If I want to, if I want to be, if I want to represent a, a company, I want a company that only has A ingredients. I don't want any B or C's. Right. And, uh, and I found the best way to do that was to kind of do my own. And so that's kind of where that idea sparked from. And then it just kind of, it's been, it's been cool because it's, there's a lot of ups and downs and kind of figuring things out and learning the, like originally um, we, we wanted um, a bunch of this glycogen or some, ah, I can't remember the name. And um, anyway, the first, the first order of the pre-workouts were all clumped because this, uh, it just is so like the second it touches any kind of moisture, it, it, so the whole point of the glycogen is, um, I got to double check what the heck that stuff's called. Um, but it's, it was for all for like to give you a better pump, but yeah, because it would suck the water out and like give you that pump. Unfortunately, it also does that in the container. So all those of that original formula is all like pretty much destroyed and just like clumpy and like all of a sudden turns into a brick and I would almost break pieces off and eat it like candy to work out and it, it worked, yep. but I don't want to sell that to people like that. So we had to change the formula and, and put in some more like Himalayan uh, pink sea salt and stuff like that. And it just was a matter of like fine tuning things. And that's been yeah. a cool process that I didn't understand before taking this on and, you know, different, trying out different flavors and different, um, BCAAs. And I wanted to combine BCAAs and EAAs, uh, branch chain amino acids and essential amino acids. A lot of places sell both separately. I wanted to combine the two with, um, electrolytes and sell it together. And, um, and stuff that I genuinely take my own product every day. Uh, at the moment yeah. I'm out of BCA, so I had to order from somewhere else while we just with the pandemic and a lot of our stuff, like our merch stuff comes from New York. So the beginning of the pandemic is hard to get like a lot of sh new shirts and stuff made. Like we were on back order for a long time. And yeah. So same thing. Uh, we have some BCAs coming, I think, I believe next week, but uh, it's not a bad problem. They, you know, they sold out, which is good, but it's uh, a great problem. It's just a matter of trying to stay ahead of it. And I didn't understand. I did, honestly thought like the orders would come kind of to a halt during this, but there were some months where it was our best business we'd ever done. Yeah. And I didn't, that and so that's been that's been amazing um but it, it's been it's been a cool process to be a part of and i'm still i'm still nowhere near where i want to be and i'm just learning and just still figuring figuring it out and it's almost it's different because it's something sure. i'm not but it's 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 almost like being a producer at first i felt a little bit in over my head and it took time took time and and now i feel like i'm pretty good at it um and i think and, and, you know that that goes along the same lines as wrestling. I've been doing that for so long. This is a whole different ballgame. Like, yeah, I've been working out, but that doesn't mean I can create my own supplement. Yeah. So this is a cool learning process and a cool thing for me to kind of sink my teeth into on the rare occasion I do have off time. For sure. And what about the uh, the training facility you got going on in there now? Like, I mean, that's yes, been... Uh, it's been big on social media. I see a lot of it. Like I see a lot of, like I see yeah. Sasha going in there. I see uh, Harry going in there. Uh, Alex is posting uh, some real cool updates. And by the way, that he's got some damn good footwork for somebody who's doing this brand new. Yeah. Um, it's been fun, man. Uh, we found the warehouse. It's like 20 minutes from my house. Uh, it was big enough 
for a WWE ring. The, the only problem is it was also going to um, store a bunch of our supplements. So I think we maybe have to get a different warehouse eventually when the lease is up. Uh, in the same facility, like, I love the I love the facility. It's so perfect for what we need. It just I need it a little bit bigger. That people don't realize, man. That WWE ring is a, is a legit twenty by twenty. That thing's big and yeah, it's uh, a beast. Takes up a lot of space. And like uh, when they sent me when they sent me the ring, they spared no expenses. I have two sets of steps, the actual ring steps in there. Like I have everything in there, man. It's so awesome, uh, and it's been very cool. And I I try to. Um, I try to keep a very fun environment in there. It's not, it's not a dictatorship at all. Um, I, if, if somebody needs needs a little bit of like harder training, I'll, I'll do that. But I, I don't. I like to keep people's minds open when we're learning, and I try to say every time we're in there, like, "Yo, this is like, I want you like when we're chain wrestling. It's like I want you guys to free flow. I don't want you guys just to like grab the arms, switch to a wrist lock, switch to a hammer lock. Like, try to." Like obviously we need we need those fundamentals, but then on the other side of things, create. Like I, I that place is a place to create. And so far, I got that ring uh, at the beginning of August, and um, in like the in like the four months that I've had it, five months, I, you know, I've seen a lot of progress in there, and I've had a, like you like you said a, a good list of names come in there, and we've never left. We've like, and I, I told them this uh, last two weeks ago uh, when they left, I said, Hey guys, just so you know, before you walk out that door, just think about this five things you learned today. You didn't know when you, you maybe you had seen them before, but you didn't know how to execute them. Yeah. Before you walk through that door. Now you're leaving that door and now you know how to execute five new things. Like don't, don't, don't lose that. Like that's, that's a big thing. Is. You guys walked out and now you have five new tools in your toolbox. And that's a lot. Like don't and don't 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 look at it and think that it's um it's small. That's not small potatoes. It's a big thing. And if you do, like if you do that every time, then you leave that week with twenty things. Like that's that's a lot. And um, it so it's been really cool. And to see someone like this kid that I train with, um, that I work out with in my garage, he he, he wanted to try it out, and he's been doing very well so far, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Cam and Alex, they wrestle each other a lot, but uh, yeah. he's he's straight from scratch. And to see a guy not know how to do anything from scratch, and then picking things up, and all of a sudden, like again, a, a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden it's like when he kind of things started to click a little bit, where he's like, "Oh, I can take these bumps. Yeah, they hurt, but they don't they don't like destroy me." And once someone gets to that point, then they start uh, they start like letting loose, and they start. Like, cause he can, like, for example, like he can jump real high and I was trying to show him a drop kick, but he is, I think a little timid on the landing. So he doesn't want to yeah. explode. He's starting to get there now. Like now he'll, you know, when it's all said and done, he'll be able to do like a beautiful drop kick. It's just a matter of unlocking that. And um, yeah. in the past few weeks, we've, we've gotten to those stages where like, they're really able to unlock something. Like Alex is a great base. So they, they play well off each other. And it's a matter of just, um, having that trust and just putting in the time and putting in the reps and they're, they're getting there. And it's, it was something that I've thought about before. I thought about it, like maybe opening a, a public school, like a wrestling school, but at the moment I don't really want to do that. I'm just kind of training privately and doing my own thing and seeing where it kind of takes me from there. And, you know, down the road, you know, the possibilities are endless, but, uh, 
it just, for now it's just kind of in-house, right? Like this isn't something yeah. that like, the public can come in and be like, Hey, Tej, can you, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty in-house and it's, it's pretty exclusive little club that we've got there, I guess. And, um, it's funny cause all the other little, uh, it's like an industrial area and all the other plate, like every other place is running some kind of business out of there, but like, they all love coming and looking at the ring. The cool. ring excites people, man. They they love coming and uh, it's funny. Uh, I I wasn't there, but a couple of the guys saw Alex there, so they're like, "Hey, uh, that was Tyson kid, right?" Like, yeah, yeah, man. Can we just like please look at that ring? Like, they recognized me, but they didn't want to come talk. I think they were not intimidated. They just I don't know. They just didn't come say want to bother you. Yeah. They waited till I left, and then they talked to Alex, and then. Uh, they saw the ring and stuff. So it's, it's cool. It's, uh, you know, not too many people, uh, own a WWE ring. I do. That's, that's pretty badass. Like I, I, and, and one thing I've noticed by the way, and I wanted to say kudos, uh, for loosening up those ropes because, uh, I have never felt a pain in my life than hitting those ropes for the first time. Uh, Jesus Christ. That was, no joke, man. Those WWE ropes are no joke. That was a I, game changer. So I learned to wrestle on really loose ropes. I don't like obviously, and well, and in the dungeon where there's no ropes, but mm-hmm. um, I keep them kind of loose because I just don't want to put too much strain on the ring. Yeah. Um, actually, I have one of the refs. That, man, we have such a great system of of people. But I have one of the refs. One of the refs who came and unloaded the truck and helped set up the ring for me. He's coming tomorrow to. Um, just kind of up, keep uptake on the ring and just, you know, kind of fine tune it a little bit, tighten the cables on the bottom, tighten the ropes a little bit and just like fine tune everything for me. And like, man, I don't know anything on how to, how to do that. Is that Daryl? Uh, no, he was there though. I uh, drink. Oh, okay. D- D- Daryl's awesome, man. I have nothing but good things to say about him too. He was there that day, uh, that first day on the truck, there were four, four reps from NXT and they were all awesome, man. And they, they are machines, dude. They they unloaded that thing from the truck and set it up and were done within two hours. Like these four guys. And like that's I was like, amazing. Alex was there, Alex and I were there, and then Addy was there. And I was like, You guys need our help. Like, you guys, what can I do? Like, no, 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 we got it. And they just almost like I was Alex like looked at me, he's like, Man, I want to help. And I was like, I know, but these guys have this down to a science. Like us trying to help them actually impedes them. So like Yeah. Like, it's so weird to just kind of, like, I, but I still didn't leave, so I'm, like, just kind of hanging around them for a few hours when they're setting everything up. And You're like, do I'm you guys want coffee? Play, I'm trying to show them that I'm a part of it, and I'm here if they need me. It, it just is funny, man. We have a great group of people. Yeah. Daryl, actually, right before the pandemic happened, because uh, the pandemic, like, everything shut down right at the beginning of March, uh not even sure if you're aware of this or not, but Daryl actually got to come down to the cross body pro wrestling Academy and do a seminar. Uh, and uh, it was incredible. Like he was coming down to do three hours, but he ended up doing like six. We drew like 50 people. Like it was unbelievable. Dude, that's what happens on these seminars. Every time I've done them, I'm not sitting there looking at my watch. Okay. 10 more minutes and I'm out of here because you just, man, you get um, lost in these conversations and in, like you'll see something that sparks this or you'll, you'll see like uh, I did one for uh create a pro and these two kids like blew me away. They're pretty young. Um, and Jordan Oliver and um, 
Ellis Taylor, I believe. And dude, they, they were like, they're like, oh, growing up, you were our favorite. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in that category now. <laughs> no, but they were young. And they, dude, they did like, they did some cool stuff. I've never seen it. I've watched a lot of wrestling, but like just random, like random stuff, like uh, some car, sort of spot. And the guy goes like to roll back for that monkey flip. The guy coming off ropes dives through, but as he dives through, he actually grabs a waist lock. And like, yeah, they just, wild stuff i hadn't seen before and they just like again kind of let loose and did their thing and like then like then our conversation went down a million paths because they did something cool that i hadn't seen before and then they're explaining to me like who they liked growing up and it just was it was very cool man and yeah these seminars never never go just this the length of time they're supposed to in a good way because you just i'm not again i'm not sitting there looking at my phone being like okay I have five more minutes and I'm out of here. Can't wait because you just get, you just get lost in it. But the thing is, is there are people that are like that. I mean, I'm not going to completely throw them under the bus, but it's not hard to figure out if uh, anybody tried to figure it out. But I had I hosted a seminar one time. It was supposed to be a three hour seminar and an hour in and like, keep in mind, he was only like, he got there and he got there late. And then all of a sudden just said, all right, who's got questions. And then, people were like asking him, like, it was like a Q and a, and then all of a sudden, like an hour into it, keep in mind, like he was late 20 minutes, but like, so he's there for 40 and he's like, uh, okay, I got to piss, come here and talk to me. And then I'm like, okay. And then he's just like, yeah, I think I'm done. And I'm like, no, you're fucking not like these people, these people paid a really good amount of money to be here. And what are you doing? And then he goes back in does 30 minutes and then literally, uh, says, all right, I am done. Goodbye and bounced wow so that creative pro one was the first one i did obviously i'm very good friends with both kurt hawkins and pat buck like yeah um, brian myers is literally one of my best friends on this planet um dude i stayed at his house that uh like i did tv and then i went to his house and then i stayed there for a few days and you know we did creative pro and i did a signing at his show anyway um i was so nervous I was so, and I said, dude, like, I'm, I have like anxiety about this seminar. And he's, what are you talking about? It's e- they're easy, man. You just got to be honest. You just got to, he said, TJ, you're going to be fine. And I, but I'm telling you, I woke up that morning because I was there for a few days. I woke up the morning of the seminar mm-hmm. feeling anxious. And I was like, okay, let's see. Again, uh, it was, I think it was September 2017. And um, I became a producer at the end of June. So, mm-hmm. This is like three months in. I didn't really find my footing, I'd say, for the first six months, but even a year, man, before I really became like super efficient. Um, but uh, but I, once the seminar started, I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. I'm just breaking down matches. And and uh, they handed me, a, and it's the same as these production meetings, they handed me a pen and a paper, but I don't write stuff down. I just, I don't know, man, it's a gift and a curse, but I have a great memory. If I see yeah. something, I used to like remember picking out like at least two things for every match. Just like boom, being in my head, and, bang. and then I don't know, man. Just uh, it became so fun, and I was like, "Oh, these are fun! Like these yeah. aren't work. These are fun." So, but it's you know, good. That, I I respect the fact though that you that you get anxious about that because it shows that you genuinely give a shit. And I mean, dude, I was so nervous. I'm not kidding. I was like insanely nervous. But I, I would rather deal with somebody who's who's nervous uh, and, and deal with that because then all of a sudden you've got a couple of nervous people and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, 
we're just talking about some shit that we genuinely both love. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah, next thing you know. Awesome part, man. Then it's then it's out the window. Yeah. So before I move on to the rapid fire questions here, one thing yeah. I gotta ask. You taking bumps again? No, no. You managed I, I, to do in all this without having to Yeah, I mostly to... just do like Natty gets real mad at me when I get in there, but I really just do like I'll I'll just show like little chain wrestling things or like a technique on how to get up from something usually. Or Fair. I'll I'll like I'll kind of show you how to do something up until the bump part. So I guess it'd be similar to like learning how to learning how to skydive, like going to skydiving lessons before you actually go up in the plane and you just you're sitting on the ground talking about it and it's not the real thing. That's kind of what I do. I kind of do that part. When the plane goes that. up, my feet are on the ground. <laughs> I get that. All right. So uh, you can answer these as quickly as you want here. I got, yeah. I think five or six questions that are uh, yeah. from some of our audience. I just put it up like two hours before we started filming this. So um, I was going to ask a top five, but we only got like five or six. So I'll, I'll just ask them all. So uh, the first question is from one of my students, uh, Sarah Robert Smith. And uh, she actually just came in with a new book and became an author, which is uh, really cool. Oh. She, uh, she wants to know throughout your time in wrestling, traveling matches and meeting the people you have, what is the most memorable moment so far in your wrestling journey? Is there something that sticks out that has stayed with you all these years? Hmm. There's, there are a few things, obviously. I mean, if you do this for a long, I mean, at any level, if you do this long enough, you're going to have these kind of like cool, like it happened to me, uh, once in England. Um, <clears throat> I, I hadn't been on, I hadn't been to WWE yet. At that time, uh, I remember like I wrestled a show in a town somewhere. And the next time I was in that town, because we would do these meet and greets, um, this this mother brought her son and her son had the same haircut I had where everything was shaved except for the front. She's like, oh, you saw you last time and you thought it was nice. really cool. It happened to me one time in WWE too in like Cincinnati. Uh, we were walking to, to eat and then we walked into some fans and then it just... They're like, hey, do you recognize this haircut? And I look and his son has the exact same haircut as me. That's so, like, so cool. He's, he's, and I've been on the main roster for like four months at that point or something wild. Yeah. Uh, um, things like that are always really cool. Um, man, uh, we did we did a taping once in Birmingham, England. Uh, normally we do like London or Manchester. Uh, one, yeah. That time where we did that triple threat with Dolphin, that was Liverpool. But Birmingham, we only were there the one time that I've been a uh, in WWE in terms of TV. I've wrestled right. there before. Man, I don't know what it was. I wrestled Curtis Axel in a dark match on the Monday. And uh, I don't know, man. I like. I don't mean this, obviously, in any kind of ego way. Because believe me, I've come out to crickets plenty of times. Hey, pump your brakes, uh, brother. Uh, uh, for me, I've never heard a reaction like this in my life in Birmingham. And I was like, what is going on here? And the next day uh, we were there again and it was, um, I tried finding the, I've seen links. I used to have it on my DVR, but that was a long time ago. It's long mm -hmm. gone. I tried finding links to this match and I can't find it. Um, it's from the, the kids show that we were doing slam Saturday morning slam. Okay. And it's uh, myself and Gabriel against the Usos and we're in Birmingham and it's, it's on the kids show. So the kids show at that point had a bunch of rules. You weren't, there were no strikes to the head, right. especially. Oh, wow. Uh, no headlocks, no chin locks, like nothing like, yeah, there was a lot of, there's a lot of rules to the kid show. It was fun. It was like a little bit challenging and yeah. they're really fun. And it was, we did back-to-back -back days in Birmingham and they were insane. I don't know why. I don't know. 
why Birmingham loved me so much in uh, 2012. It was very interesting. Uh, only thing I can think of is the time before uh, Mick Foley happened to be in town. So he contacted the office to do something. And then it became me against Jinder with like Foley as like almost that outside enforcer. And he like, he's the one who introduced me and kind of like, you know, put me over and here's Mick Foley doing it. So it kind of gave me something. Yeah. And then um, I catch a quick win on Jinder and then he attacks me, then Foley gives him the socko. And then literally the next time I'm there, this place is going crazy. I, that's, only, that's the only correlation I can put together. I don't yeah. know. Otherwise, otherwise, I don't know. So that definitely, that Birmingham uh, reaction really stands out. That and, and again, go back to Europe. Um, that last tour I did as a talent with uh, Cesaro against New Day. We were supposed to be the, the heels. They're the baby faces. Yep. And um, every night on the tour, that crowd told us otherwise and it was right. and we went it was so fun because it was completely on the fly it was so fun but you never knew like one day we were in poland and it was the first time we'd ever run in this town ever and their tv was uh seven weeks behind so i don't okay. know if they've seen oh wow that the audience is starting to boo new day or not who knows right. there's um, we came out and the same thing they cheered us and booed new day and it was like it was so fun because we didn't know the, what the reactions would be every night. It'd begin to be different. So it was very cool. Well, that's amazing. Um, my buddy Brady Wedham has two questions here for you. Yeah. Uh, first one he wants to know, who inspired you the most during your run? Hmm. Man, I had a lot. Uh, I learned from different people at different times. Uh, as a kid, Owen, Owen was my favorite for a very long time baby boy i worked out with him a lot in in the gym um brett obviously i'm very close to yep um then i remember going to japan for the first time and really like falling in love with uh the wrestling style of uh, koji kanemoto i teamed with him so much in my first tour and so i would just be on the apron like i was on the apron but i may as well have been on the other side of the barrier because yeah. i just was I would tag out. I like you may as I may as well have had a notepad. I was literally writing everything <laughs> this guy did, and I was like, I can't wait to copy all this when I go back home. <laughs> he just like the way he carried himself, and his. So I just like throughout different times, I would watch different people or kind of take things from different people and kind of see like how that worked for me. Okay. Um, his next question is uh, you've been on the major wrestling figure podcast a few times. So it's very clear that you do at least collect uh, collectibles to some degree. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had, uh, what is your favorite one that you have and what would you consider your grail? Um, probably my, f so I don't have a super collection. I have like, I have my own figures uh, and natties as well. And then random ones like uh, back here, I have, um, so, uh, these are always gifts from Hawkins, by the way. But yeah. I have uh, Seth, Finn, and Miz action figures, and and then one second, I do have to grab this one. This, yeah, yeah. He, he made this one custom. I think it's I think it's part of the J and J security, but uh, maybe it's Vince. I can't tell. I'm not very good with the figures. But then it's my Hawkins made it, and then it's my head on it. But it's the producer version of it. <laughs> And uh, so Hawkins gave me that. He, he made that and gave me Miz, Finn, and Seth because that's the first uh, WrestleMania match I produced as a producer. Oh, so, man, that's amazing. 
So like I like so that means a lot to me. Um, gave me he gave me he didn't complete the collection yet. He gave me the Becky Lynch I have in box back there mm-hmm. from the next WrestleMania that I produced. Yeah, but and but I, I don't have Ronda or Charlotte in there yet, but I'll get it. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I I collect. I would have to probably say my first action figure because. It's, it's still hard to believe that it's real. Like you walk in a Walmart or something and you see yourself. It's so weird and yeah. weird and also very, very cool. Um, also the very first uh, video game. I have it somewhere. I, I think it was uh, Raw versus SmackDown 20. I get confused on the years 10 or 11. And, yeah. and, and Harry and I start out in that game as tag team champions. So it like, so oh, nice. it's my first video but we're also the tag champions in it when you start. So like double whammy. So like, it's so awesome to me. That's cool. Do you, so like, do you have like a, are you kind of like Zack Ryder where you have like a huge collection of like your own figures that you just have kicking around? No, I just kind of have one of each. Like I, they, I, I did get like a few, but I usually get, end up giving them away to people as gifts. Yeah, uh, what, a, what a vain, what a vain gift to give away. <laughs> here's a toy version of me go play you, with me if you wanted more of me here you are <laughs> um all right i got another question from a gentleman named adam petrie uh being around the business so much as a child was there any wrestler that you met that you were nervous excited to meet or was it just normal to be around these larger than life personalities and it didn't phase you nope always 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 super nervous to meet these guys every time like every time I saw, and uh, you know, I had a good relationship with Owen, but every time I saw Owen, still nervous to see him. Um, I was really nervous. See, Davey and I would work out together. I'd still be nervous. Like we, I'm, you know, I, I grew up sh- real shy, and I think, um, you know, I grew up um, just my mom and my two sisters, so like no male influence. And I think, well, not I think as a kid, I was very um, intimidated by like my friends' dads and the male figure, and. Um, Man, I just like I would ride in the car, it would just be me and baby going to the gym, and I would like not really say a word. I just I would try to, I would like just ask him, and then eventually, then I just would ask him questions about, and I just would think of a question and be like, okay, no one says any. If like there's not a conversation in like five minutes, I'll ask him this question. Yeah. See, what does he think of Shawn Michaels as a wrestler? <laughs> and so like, uh, yeah, dude, nervous. I was always nervous, and I remember like when these guys, like when Cena was coming back from an injury, maybe his pec, mm-hmm. uh, he came and I wrestled with him at FCW. He, I, I wrestled with him a couple times down there. But one time he kind of had like a little practice style singles match, but like, dude, ner- I'm nervous as hell. I was nervous. I don't know, man. It finally like one day it clicked and I was like, okay, like I feel like these are my peers. I fit in with these guys now. And then yeah. I wasn't, as nervous, I still was nervous, obviously, for my performance, but I wasn't as nervous to be around them. And then, and then it just became normal. But yeah, man, I, like as a kid meeting these guys, no, it never, it never went away. Like I remember, he wrote it on one point again fully, but at one point he um, he was in charge of writing the back of all the trading cards, like what the little write up said, and yeah. he got it, and I laughed so hard, and I was like, Nick, I saw your card is hilarious. Is is my trading card, but the back is written by Foley, and he says some, he tells a story. A brief story of like, um, so we wrestled a live event match in 1996. I was 16 years old in Calgary. Yep. At Battle Dome. And the next year was the Canadian Stampede. And I remember like, 
maybe JBL kind of making a joke. He's like, Harry and I were in the locker room. He's like, hey, Harry, you guys aren't on the show this time? And we're like, of course, like, no. And then uh, then I remember like Foley coming up to me and saying, hey, TJ, nice to see you again. And I was like, how the hell did this guy remember my name? I'm not, I'm not Harry. Harry's Davies, like a what? Right. And so he wrote that on the card, like that. I was blown away by him remembering my name a year later. But I was. Oh, that's awesome. I'm still blown away by it. But yeah, Foley's always been so cool to me. And I'm talking like me as a 16 year old kid. 15 year old. First, I first met him on the bus going to WrestleMania uh, 12. Really? Eh? Yeah, he's been. So he hadn't debuted yet. He debuted the day after, but he's been so nice, man. Oh, that's amazing. Every time I've ever seen him. Um, one of my uh, one of my boys here, his name is Andy. He wrestles as Young Love. Um, he looks up to you a lot. I know that. Oh, uh, he right. wants to know if you could describe your career using one word, what would it be? Oh man. Um, I'm trying to think if I have a better perseverance. perseverance. I like that. If I, I mean, that's a hell of a question, man. That's a great question. I like that. Um, I got two more questions here for you. Justin okay. Gilmet uh, wants to know what drives you to be better. I don't know. Uh, that's a great question. I'm not entirely sure. There is some kind of competitive edge in me that I've always had, whether you know it's playing video games or um, I don't know. Even like even tests in school, I remember kind of competing with people. I don't know, man. Uh, like as a kid, I was a very good speller. And I remember like being very competitive about like in my class about like being the best. I have to be the best. And I don't know, man, there's some weird competitive edge in me that, um, I, but at the same time, I don't want to push other people down. I want to, other people that's like part of training in this ring. I love seeing people improve and getting better. And then it makes me want to be better. That What it is, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know why. I'm wired that way, but there's just, I don't know. I always, I get inspiration from a lot of people and a lot of, um, you know, like Michael Jordan and things like that, where I watch them and it's like, okay, like going into that 97, 98 season, Jordan already won five rings. What, why is he so, he's already had at that point, the best um, regular season record of all time. Why is he so competitive in 97, 98? Because yeah. he is just the, just how he's wired and, and you watch that last dance and you see like he's tricking himself. He'd make up fake stories that like this guy, you know, talk trash to him never happened. But yeah. that was like, but he would use that to drive him. And I'm not saying I'm the same, I'm not by any means, but there's something, some competitive edge in me that um, I can't turn that switch off. It still is in there. And I still want to be the best at what I do. That's a, that's a great answer. And last question of the podcast before we let you get going today, sir, uh, is from one of my students and the Crossbody Pro Wrestling Champion, Holden Albright. He wants to know, what's the biggest piece of advice that you hear frequently that you don't necessarily agree with? Mm, wow, that's awesome. Uh, first off, that shirt's awesome. I love, Thank I you love very much. Shirt. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I like You can get that. him at prowrestlingtees.com slash crossbodyprowrestling. Feel free to go get one. I, li I like all shirts that are like kind of that roots of fight feel yeah. a little to it. Um, we, uh, we designed these so then that way the boys could get something during the downtime. Like this yeah. was a project of mine where I wanted to make sure that we made some cool company shirts, but literally the entire Very profit. Cool. Thank yeah. you. The, the profit margins literally split between the wrestler, uh, our production staff and the graphic artist who made it. I see no dimes. So that's awesome. Man. That's still so support cool. the boys. 
Um, biggest advice that I don't agree with? Yeah. Man, I don't. Huh. Like, what's something that you hear often that you're just like? So this might be small. This might be too inside baseball. Um, I was actually just having this conversation last week in the locker room. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's this theory about like throwing a wrestling punch. Yeah. And about and about like oh, like you've never been in a fight before, so you don't know how to throw a wrestling punch. Like, what? The two are not the same. Mm -hmm. If I throw a real life punch, doesn't mean that. I throw a good working punch. They're very different things. They're not the same thing at all. Right. Um, uh, like, I don't know. So like, that's probably not the biggest by any means, but that's the most recent that I was, someone was bringing that up saying like an old timer had said that to them. And that's a very, I, I've heard that a lot, but I don't know that I fully agree with it. I don't know that like, I don't know that you have to have thrown, you know, a certain number of real punches at a human's face in order to throw a pro wrestling punch. I don't think right. there's that correlation there. Just be like, I don't know. I, and I could be, I could be wrong, but this is my theory. I just don't think I, if like, for example, maybe, uh, but I've never, I've never, uh, and I'm glad I haven't, I've, I'm, I've never seen Randy Orton throw a real punch at somebody, but I know that I really like his punch when I'm watching him on Monday Night Raw. Right. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I get you. I personally think that like, if you were to learn how to box, it's certainly not going to help or certainly not going to hurt your ability to oh, strike. No doubt. Oh, no the doubt. same way that if you were to learn jujitsu, it's certainly going to really improve yep. your ability to chain wrestle. It just to kind of sure. helps you sure. understand things a lot better and technique wise. Uh, yep. And, and I, and I definitely think you should take from that. No doubt. But I just think to pretend it's so black and white is I don't think it's entirely true. I don't think so either. I, th I think it's one of those things where if you got it, that's great. But I mean, if you yeah. don't, I mean, it's we're, we're, that's not the business that we're in is, is punching people in the face for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and obviously it's it's simulated and you want it to be as real as possible. I get that. I just don't know if to or, and I, I don't know. I just don't think I just don't 100 percent buy into that the two uh correlate together obviously the better your technique is the better your technique is and of course and the more it can look like boxing or ufc obviously the better we there's no doubt about that 100 like I, I i was such a huge fan of bret hart's punch but yeah. now that i know uh what i know about kickboxing and actual striking there's nothing of the there's you wouldn't be able to throw a bret hart punch in a real fight and if you did i mean like you're gonna there's a you're gonna fucking hurt your hand for crying out loud. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. But he was also the best wrestling, the work punch I've ever seen. So yeah, you're you're 100 right. Yeah, that's and and I actually just watched something where he told this story about uh, getting into a fight with these guys uh, with Davey when they were much much younger, and uh, so it's like Brett. I already knew the story. I saw Brett publicly tell the story recently. Yeah. Uh, so I know that he knows how to throw punches for real too. So may, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe there is a correlate. Who the hell knows? 
<laughs> who fucking knows right well teach man i uh i've taken oh wow we've gone like 20 or 30 minutes over the a lot of times so i i can't thank you enough for providing me this time uh to okay. do this this has been fantastic this has been such a great conversation um for anybody watching you can find me on all of my social medias uh my personal ones at big ben is angry i'm on twitter instagram the whole shebang you can find the show at big ben af podcast on twitter instagram uh and at youtube.com slash cross uh, sorry slash big ben af podcast uh you can also find crossbody pro wrestling at cbpw academy across the board on youtube as well uh, and you can also find me on my new twitch channel that i'm going real hard at and trying to stream every day which is twitch.tv slash big ben is angry Tej, where can we uh find you on all your socials and where can we find uh workhorse fitness so mine my my instagram is uh at tj wilson 711 i couldn't quite get uh tj wilson was already taken uh 7-Eleven's my birthday, plus it's a, you know, it's a store everybody knows, so I sure. figured, I just, I, I don't know, I should have maybe just put WWE, but I didn't, and I just put 7-Eleven, and then it went through, and I was like, oh, I guess this is it. Uh, my Twitter is <laughs> at Wilson, and then um, Workhorse Fitness is at Workhorse Fitness Products on Instagram, and uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been a great conversation. It, I had a lot of fun, uh, and a lot of different questions i love when i have different questions because then i no i don't i don't i don't want to give stock answers anyway but when it's right. a, when it's a question out of left field like explain my career in one word or like i can't give you a stock answer because i, I, I don't want to do that anyway but i can't so that, I'm, I'm trying to get you to think. So then that way we can yeah, actually have a conversation. It. So it's not a fucking yeah. interview. Like, I mean, I at one point had a bit of a format where I'm like, Hey, ding, 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 ding. And then I'm like, yeah, these all sound the fucking same. I, I like talking to my buddies. This is like uh, the whole point is yeah. to kind of catch up and to have a conversation and, and, and drop some knowledge at the same time. And, uh, and you certainly did. And, uh, and don't forget workhorsefitness.com is where you can go and order all of your workhorse fitness yeah. products, which I highly recommend. And uh, TJ, Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Big Ben and Friends podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys next episode. I'm definitely a part of the Friends part of that. So, yes. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. Ah, you're the man, TJ. No problem. Thank you. <laughs>